Here is a contribution by our friend Ken Haas Christian. Haas has since passed away but his memory lives on in his research of the hairy guy. I thought some of the listeners might be interested in some intriguing BC Sasquatch stories and encounters I have gathered from the 1960s through to the present. This first one takes place in Pit Lake located in the Fraser Valley of southern BC. Pit Lake is 25 to 30 miles up the Fraser River from Vancouver. The lake is very rare in that it is one of the largest freshwater lakes in the world affected directly by Pacific Ocean tides. An incident in the early 1960s that got me deeply interested in the subject of Sasquatch went something like this. A logging company owner by the name of Joe Manuk had a smaller show at a place on Pit Lake called Frenchman's Bay. It is now known as Christian Cove on the maps. He went up the mountain about one mile or so to get at some big timber in a very steep and rugged canyon. In the process of setting up a temporary camp for his crew and cook, Manuk towed a wood frame and plywood cook-slash-bunkhouse on three-foot round skid logs up the valley with a D8 cat. After Manuk logged the show and got most of the good wood out, he left the old cook-slash-bunkhouse up there for family and friends to use as a hunting cabin. One weekend during the fall of about 1962, my friends Fred Garrick, Ron Garrick and Vince Manuk Jr. headed up to the area for some blacktail deer hunting. They reached the place late on a Friday afternoon and proceeded to give the old cabin a quick sweep to get rid of the mouse droppings, chop enough firewood to last a couple of days, cook some dinner and then hit the sack early for some much-needed rest. Sometime during the middle of the night they were all rudely awakened by a massive crash of something hitting the outside of the cabin hard enough to dislodge the stovepipes and fill the entire cabin with black soot and choking smoke. At first light in the morning they inspected the cabin fully expecting to find a giant boulder claw marks from a big bear or some other such sign on the outside walls but found nothing. I went up the following weekend on a hunting trip and had a good look around the cabin for myself. I found no broken branches on any of the small alders that had sprung up beside the cabin or anything else to indicate something with a rational explanation responsible for crashing into the cabin. Over the years I often pondered the thought of what could have possibly hit the cabin's walls so high up above the skid logs, on the bunk side where everyone was sleeping and probably snoring a bit, with the force required to knock the stove and its pipes completely out of commission. Not a one of us could figure this out until a later date when the stories of Sasquatch began to quietly circulate amongst the area's loggers. It was a few years later that, myself and a few other commercial fishermen and old hand loggers went to visit Oscar Greenland, a long-time hand logger and permanent resident of Pitt Lake. Oscar seemed to enjoy our visits as we always brought a bottle of his favorite gin and some type of a treat for his faithful old dog. Sometime during the hours-long BS session, the subject of Sasquatch was injected into the noisy conversation. Oscar told us about a time some years back when he was heading up the lake towards home at first light on a beautiful summer morning. He went on to explain that the lake was a flat as glass and there wasn't a breath of wind. As they were heading from point to point he happened to glance towards the shoreline and noticed a rhythmic splashing about 300 yards away. Out of curiosity he decided to head his old East Hope-powered ex-gill netter towards the beach in case someone was in trouble. As he got closer he noticed a downed alder or cottonwood tree laying in the water with what appeared to be a huge, dark-colored man-ape jumping up and down on it, looking for all the world like it was simply playing and totally amused by the splashes it was making in the water. Oscar went on to explain that once the ape-like creature spotted him getting closer, it went up the tree faster than any man could have possibly gone and quickly disappeared into the bush. Old Oscar then asked us all if we thought there were any grizzly bears in the Pit Lake country. While none of us had ever seen or heard of a grizzly bear down low in his general neck of the woods, we asked him why he inquired. Oscar said that one day he was up behind his cabin cutting shake blocks when his dog suddenly began to growl, bark and generally go crazy. Oscar said he stared in the direction the dog's gaze was fixed upon and saw what he thought was about an 8-foot tall grizzly standing on its hind legs partially hidden behind some alders. 
Oscar went on to say that he'd heard plenty of bears grunt and cougars scream in his days in the bush, but had never heard such a tremendously loud roar come out of any animal he knew of. Another event happened, in the late 1960s, two friends that had been hired by Joe Manuk to clean some of the bigger rocks off a logging road, done to prevent the cat skinner's kidneys from taking a terrible pounding, reported to me that they had been followed by something big and black that stayed well hidden just out of sight but not earshot. Note, this particular logging road is roughly two miles from Frenchman's Bay and three miles from what used to be Oscar Greenland's homestead. Equipped with large steel bars to pry the rocks loose, they would then roll the boulders to the edge of the road and into the bush. While taking breaks from their job, they would constantly hear something breaking branches not too far in the bush. When they moved, it moved. The more intent they became in listening, probably because they were scared by now, the more they could hear footfalls. Once purposely peeking into the bush, one of them caught a glimpse of what he thought was an awfully tall black bear. Although nothing else eventful happened, they did mention that whatever was out there in the bush making noise followed them up to the top of the mountain and halfway back down again before becoming disinterested with their rock rolling. I think it was about 1973 or 1974, I was down by the Fraser River talking with some of my old hand logger commercial fishermen friends and the subject of Sasquatch happened to come up in the conversation. That was the first time I had ever heard that at times these beasts might make some form of nest or bed. Old Bob was a local shake splitter who had just returned that same day from a deer hunting trip up in the Headley country. He somewhat shyly explained to the group that he found a large animal bed located on a perfect vantage point with six inches of fresh evergreen tree boughs laid carefully in the bottom. He went on to explain he had also found quite a few piles of huge human-type droppings that no man or animal he knew of could make. Apparently these droppings were located about 75 feet from the bed and concentrated in one general area. Old Bob also went on to seriously explain that the bed he'd found had plenty of darker colored hair in the bottom of it and stunk like hell. Now if I remember right, about six people burst out laughing. At that old Bob became extremely angry and remarked he would take any one of us assholes, excuse the language, back up to Headley at that very minute and show us the bloody Sasquatch bed he'd found. Seeing that old Bob was seriously mad, the entire group said they were sorry and jokingly believed him. Sadly, nobody took Bob up on his offer. I wish to this day that I would have. During the fall of 1975 a friend of mine John Sheriff decided to do some deer hunting up in the Chehalis River country. Although John didn't see any deer that day, he said he spotted something very strange. Some years later he asked me how far and well I thought a black bear could walk on its hind legs. I told him that they look pretty clumsy up there on their hind feet and take short, jerky strides with their paws held in front of them somewhat curled in and pointing down. While summing up my answer, John looked puzzled and said while he sat and watched the likely looking area for deer, he now believed what he saw was a dark brown Sasquatch quietly and smoothly slinking from tree to tree, as if it was using them for cover. In 1995, I had a report from a good friend Dan Garrick owner of the Pitt River Lodge about a fresh set of 17-inches Sasquatch tracks he found while hiking along a very remote creek in the upper Pitt River country. Dan said that he and a couple of friends had hiked up a small creek a few miles in search of some good rainbow trout fishing. In a very remote and rugged area they came across four or five 17-inches Sasquatch tracks impressed into a damp and natural earth slide along the creek. Dan explained the tracks were farther apart than he could fully stretch his legs and so clear that he could see dermal imprints in the bottoms. Interestingly, Dan also said that while flying in helicopters over the years, he noticed that the valley he found those Sasquatch tracks in, is the only one that links up cleanly with the Harrison Lake country and has no boxed canyons or obstructions. A possible Sasquatch migration route? There have been a few reports from loggers and others over the years of Sasquatch sightings concentrated in this general area. Glenn Bone wrote a piece in the Vancouver Sun a few years back of a Sasquatch sighting by a local logger that worked out of the main camp at Alvin, B.C. 
Also a documentary-type film titled Alden's Outdoors that went into detail on Sasquatch and some form of giant salamander-type creature sightings in this area. Interestingly, Dan Garrick also has two recent sighting reports, from either guests of his lodge or people he knows, of these black salamander-type reptiles seen crossing the road. Below is a copy of the Vancouver Sun article, in part, for informational purposes only. The Vancouver Sun, Tuesday, October 18, 1994. Lower Mainland Section. Older forests as rare as Sasquatches. Glenn Bone. Sun Environmental Reporter. The mufflers blasted and the brakes whined as a worker just two years away from retirement inched his truck around the hairpin curves. Between gear shifts, George jabbed a finger towards the second-growth forest in the previously logged Pitt River Valley below. The valley floor on either side of the log-littered river looked like a lush green carpet. George, 63, the local shop steward with the woodworkers' union and an employee of J.S. Jones Logging Limited, said that most people don't realize how fast trees grow back after clear-cutting. The trouble is, the average age of the trees in the valley is 60 years and they wouldn't normally be harvested for another three or four decades. So the logging company wants to go into other publicly owned forests in adjacent valleys. But never logged watersheds near the lower mainland are becoming as elusive as the Sasquatch, a legendary man-like animal that is supposed to live deep in the wilderness. The past summer, during the last truck run of the day, George saw some kind of black-haired beast walking on two legs. Black bears don't normally walk like that, he noted. I'm not saying it was a Sasquatch, but this creature was over six feet tall, he said. Copyright the Vancouver Sun. About 1995 I had the opportunity to make a deer hunting trip, with my brother, a friend from work and his older brother, into the Yalakum River country, not too far from Lillooet. Looking at the map now, I believe we hunted off a logging road that ended at the headwaters of Leon Creek, in the Camelsfoot Mountain Range. Although we didn't get any deer that particular trip, I did bring home a multiple Sasquatch sighting report. On the evening of our first day hunting we went in towards the end of this logging road, called Upper Swamp Road on wooden markers along the way, and stopped in a logged-off draw about three-quarters of a mile from the end of the road. When we got out of the truck in this valley, my friend Sill mentioned that his uncle had been coming up this same road the previous fall and spotted what he thought was a black bear digging roots about 60 feet from the far tree line. Looking at the spot he was pointing towards, I would say it was no more than 100 yards or so into the clearing from our vantage point. Seems his uncle stopped and readied his rifle to take the bear when it presented a clear shot. Quite soon the somewhat surprised animal suddenly realized it was being watched and quickly stood up. Sill went on to explain that his uncle literally got the shock of his life when a huge Sasquatch now loomed in front of him and with four or five giant steps hit the tree line and disappeared from sight into the timber. Apparently Sill's uncle was so shaken by what he had just seen that upon his return home he vowed to close family and friends that he'd never to go into this country again for as long as he lived. Sill also told of meeting two very old hunters at this same location the previous fall that mentioned in a tailgate conversation of seeing a Sasquatch at this very spot the year before. In fact, they said they had made this trip into the area with the hopes of seeing the creature again. It might be interesting to note that when I went over to the general area where the Sasquatch was sighted I got a strange, uneasy feeling. The bush was so bloody thick and dark you couldn't see 30 feet into it. I also remarked to Sill that this area gave me the creeps and it seemed as if it was a dead zone. Besides the breeze whispering through the treetops, there wasn't a sign or a sound of another living creature to be seen or heard. I think it was about 1973 or 1974, I was down by the Fraser River talking with some of my old hand logger commercial fishermen friends and the subject of Sasquatch happened to come up in the conversation. That was the first time I had ever heard that at times these beasts might make some form of nest or bed. Old Bob was a local shake splitter who had just returned that same day from a deer hunting trip up in the Headley country. 
He somewhat shyly explained to the group that he found a large animal bed located on a perfect vantage point with six inches of fresh evergreen tree boughs laid carefully in the bottom. He went on to explain he had also found quite a few piles of huge human-type droppings that no man or animal he knew of could make. Apparently these droppings were located about 75 feet from the bed and concentrated in one general area. Old Bob also went on to seriously explain that the bed he'd found had plenty of darker colored hair in the bottom of it and stunk like hell. Now if I remember right, about six people burst out laughing. At that old Bob became extremely angry and remarked he would take any one of us assholes, excuse the language, back up to Headley at that very minute and show us the bloody Sasquatch bed he'd found. Seeing that old Bob was seriously mad, the entire group said they were sorry and jokingly believed him. Sadly, nobody took Bob up on his offer. I wish to this day that I would have. During the fall of 1975 a friend of mine John Sheriff decided to do some deer hunting up in the Chehalis River country. Although John didn't see any deer that day, he said he spotted something very strange. Some years later he asked me how far and well I thought a black bear could walk on its hind legs. I told him that they look pretty clumsy up there on their hind feet and take short, jerky strides with their paws held in front of them somewhat curled in and pointing down. While summing up my answer, John looked puzzled and said while he sat and watched the likely looking area for deer, he now believed what he saw was a dark brown Sasquatch quietly and smoothly slinking from tree to tree, as if it was using them for cover. In 1995, I had a report from a good friend Dan Garrick owner of the Pitt River Lodge about a fresh set of 17-inches Sasquatch tracks he found while hiking along a very remote creek in the upper Pitt River country. Dan said that he and a couple of friends had hiked up a small creek a few miles in search of some good rainbow trout fishing. In a very remote and rugged area they came across four or five 17-inches Sasquatch tracks impressed into a damp and natural earth slide along the creek. Dan explained the tracks were farther apart than he could fully stretch his legs and so clear that he could see dermal imprints in the bottoms. Interestingly, Dan also said that while flying in helicopters over the years, he noticed that the valley he found those Sasquatch tracks in, is the only one that links up cleanly with the Harrison Lake country and has no boxed canyons or obstructions. A possible Sasquatch migration route? There have been a few reports from loggers and others over the years of Sasquatch sightings concentrated in this general area. Glenn Bone wrote a piece in the Vancouver Sun a few years back of a Sasquatch sighting by a local logger that worked out of the main camp at Alvin, B.C. Also a documentary-type film titled Alden's Outdoors that went into detail on Sasquatch and some form of giant salamander-type creature sightings in this area. Interestingly, Dan Garrick also has two recent sighting reports, from either guests of his lodge or people he knows, of these black salamander-type reptiles seen crossing the road. Below is a copy of the Vancouver Sun article, in part, for informational purposes only. The Vancouver Sun, Tuesday, October 18, 1994. Lower Mainland Section. Older forests as rare as Sasquatches. Glenn Bone. Sun Environmental Reporter. The mufflers blasted and the brakes whined as a worker just two years away from retirement inched his truck around the hairpin curves. Between gear shifts, George jabbed a finger towards the second-growth forest in the previously logged Pitt River Valley below. The valley floor on either side of the log-littered river looked like a lush green carpet. George, 63, the local shop steward with the woodworkers union and an employee of J.S. Jones Logging Limited, said that most people don't realize how fast trees grow back after clear-cutting. The trouble is, the average age of the trees in the valley is 60 years and they wouldn't normally be harvested for another three or four decades. So the logging company wants to go into other publicly owned forests in adjacent valleys. But never logged watersheds near the lower mainland are becoming as elusive as the Sasquatch, a legendary man-like animal that is supposed to live deep in the wilderness. The past summer, during the last truck run of the day, George saw some kind of black-haired beast walking on two legs. Black bears don't normally walk like that, he noted. 
I'm not saying it was a Sasquatch, but this creature was over six feet tall, he said. Copyright the Vancouver Sun. About 1995 I had the opportunity to make a deer hunting trip, with my brother, a friend from work and his older brother, into the Yalakum River country, not too far from Lillooet. Looking at the map now, I believe we hunted off a logging road that ended at the headwaters of Leon Creek, in the Camelsfoot mountain range. Although we didn't get any deer that particular trip, I did bring home a multiple Sasquatch sighting report. On the evening of our first day hunting we went in towards the end of this logging road, called Upper Swamp Road on wooden markers along the way, and stopped in a logged off draw about three quarters of a mile from the end of the road. When we got out of the truck in this valley, my friend Sill mentioned that his uncle had been coming up this same road the previous fall and spotted what he thought was a black bear digging roots about 60 feet from the far tree line. Looking at the spot he was pointing towards, I would say it was no more than 100 yards or so into the clearing from our vantage point. Seems his uncle stopped and readied his rifle to take the bear when it presented a clear shot. Quite soon the somewhat surprised animal suddenly realized it was being watched and quickly stood up. Sill went on to explain that his uncle literally got the shock of his life when a huge Sasquatch now loomed in front of him and with four or five giant steps hit the tree line and disappeared from sight into the timber. Apparently Sill's uncle was so shaken by what he had just seen that upon his return home he vowed to close family and friends that he'd never to go into this country again for as long as he lived. Sill also told of meeting two very old hunters at this same location the previous fall that mentioned in a tailgate conversation of seeing a Sasquatch at this very spot the year before. In fact, they said they had made this trip into the area with the hopes of seeing the creature again. It might be interesting to note that when I went over to the general area where the Sasquatch was sighted I got a strange, uneasy feeling. The bush was so bloody thick and dark you couldn't see 30 feet into it. I also remarked to Sill that this area gave me the creeps and it seemed as if it was a dead zone. Besides the breeze whispering through the treetops, there wasn't a sign or a sound of another living creature to be seen or heard. Okay, dear listener, that about wraps it up for now. My name is Jerry Matthews. You can reach me at yellowcoyote at talus.net. Thank you for your interest, and until the next time, keep searching.